Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Excited to be at church, everybody. Man, it is so good to see you. Hey, I want to give a quick shout out really quick to our amazing men and women of our, of our dream team. They were here early this morning putting out signs and flags in the rain, everybody. Can you throw your hands together and show some love to our dream team this morning? Man, you guys are my heroes. You guys are the ones who are here early investing your life into creating an atmosphere, honestly, for people to experience the love, the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And without your dream team, none of this would be even possible. I know that. You're my hero. I want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. All right, you guys, we're jumping into a new series today. But before we jump into it, I want to look into the camera and I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, my life. Throw your hands together. Show some love to those who are joining us online this morning. Yeah, we are sending you some love today. You are our family, and uh, we cannot wait to see you soon. All right, you guys, we are a message note-taking church. What does that mean? It means we like to take notes. So I want to encourage you to pull out your smartphone, whatever digital device you may have walked in here with today. Go to olc.church, swipe down, you'll see a button that says message notes. If you'll click that button and open up a form and you'll be able to follow along today from God's word, kind of where we're going in. Also give you the ability to kind of fill in the blank. Now here's the goal. Here's why we do notes. Because honestly, I don't want to just inspire you on a Sunday. I mean, that's important and we're going to have a lot of fun. But I also want to give you the tools that you need in life Monday through Saturday. And if the notes are changing anybody's life, can I just get a good amen from all my note takers out there if you appreciate the notes? Awesome. We're very excited today. We're starting a new series we're calling Galatians. Now, it is a six-part series because there are six chapters to the entire book of Galatians, and we're going to be doing a verse-by-verse study throughout this book. It's important to note that Galatians, it's, it's an incredible book, but it helps us build a solid foundation or a solid, sound teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it meant to have a relationship with God, not a religious approach to God. Now, it was written by a man named Paul. Now, who is Paul? Now, in Christian circles or religious circles, you may have heard him referred to as the Apostle Paul. In other words, that is just a, a really big word to describe a man who planted churches. Paul was a church planner. And he felt called by God to take the message of Jesus Christ outside of the Jewish circle, outside of Israel, and take it to the world. In fact, many of you, I myself included, our lives have been changed because of Paul's testimony of Jesus Christ in taking it to the Gentiles. Now, who are the Gentiles? In fact, that's just kind of a fancy word for anybody who is a non- Jew. Anybody who's a non-Jew. So Paul planted these churches. He planted a lot of churches in what is honestly today called modern day Turkey. And there was a city in modern day Turkey called Galatia. And guess what? The people of Galatia were known as Galatians. And so he had, he planted a church there. And so what he did is he wrote a letter, which is today the book of Galatians. And what you'll notice is a lot of the New Testament. The New Testament is, are the books that were created from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the way through Revelation. And these are testaments about 
Christ. And what you'll notice is that Paul, most of the books in the New Testament were letters that he wrote to churches that he planted. Like if you're familiar maybe with the book of Corinthians, you're like, where did that come from? Basically, he was writing a letter to the church of Corinth. And so he titled the letter Corinthians, same things with Philippians and Ephesians, the church of Ephesus, the church of Philippi, if you get what I'm saying. So as Paul would uh, plant churches, what would happen is he would raise up leaders. He would raise up pastors. He would pass that pastor along and that leader along to take care of that church as he went along in his journey to plant more churches. Now, they didn't have Instagram. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have email back then. So they actually had to write out letters of correspondence to see how things are going. And so Paul would receive letters from pastors and then in an effort to lead the pastors well, he would write them back. And so what he found out from one of the pastors there in Galatia is that there was a problem happening. And so you're going to kind of dive into what this problem is a little bit later. But what I need you to understand is that the letter that he wrote to the Galatians is a corrective letter. It's a letter correcting some of the mistakes and some of the confusion that was starting to happen. Because what happened is after Paul planted this church, he left. There were some Jewish Christians that came along behind Paul. And what they started doing is they started stirring up some different kind of ways to connect with God. In other words, Paul taught them, hey, receive the free gift of Jesus Christ. It's a gift. You can't earn it. But the Jewish Christians came along behind Paul and said, hey, I know what Paul talked about. He said, yes, it's a free gift. It's eternal life. But now that you've received that, now you need to start having some traditions. You need to start having some rules and some obligations and what we would call legalism added to your relationship. And so the big idea of this entire book is Paul's come along and he's bringing correction. He's saying, no, 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 no. The big idea of the gospel is to live in freedom apart from the law and live in relationship with God. The goal of this book and the goal of this series is to bring us all back into the right perspective of what it means to have a right relationship with God. So you guys ready to have a little bit of fun as we jump into this? So let's start with the very beginning, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. Check this out. It goes on to say, to all the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age goes on to say according to the will of our God and father to whom be glory forever and ever amen so Paul's just giving us a simple introduction here he said hey guys this is Paul I'm writing this I can't wait to bring you some good news but also going to bring you some stuff that you probably rather not hear but you need to hear and it's going to be really good for you and I just want you to understand we're not going to read the rest of this chapter because it basically starts going into some historical background of how Paul came to know Jesus and how he was trained to go out and preach the good news but this next verse is actually the key verse that honestly I believe sums up the entire book. Look at this, Galatians 1, 6 through 7. He says, I am astonished. In other words, I'm perplexed. I'm shocked. I am blown away, Galatians. Listen, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Jesus Christ. He says, guys, I am shocked that you're turning away from the freedom that you found in a relationship with Jesus Christ and turning to a different 
gospel, which time out, many of us are probably saying, wait, 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 hold on. You're telling me there's a different gospel other than the one of Jesus Christ? And I would say this, there are actually two approaches that we as man try when we approach God. Number one, it's relational, or number two, it's religion. In other words, number one, it's this grace-based, free gift that we receive. We can't earn it. We can only approach God out of the relationship that he's provided through Jesus Christ. Or there's this works-based, I call it dead religion, because the relationship leads to life and the works-based leads to death. And you're going to see that today and throughout this series. And so Paul is a little fed up. He's going, man, these Jewish Christians... They've come along and they've burdened you. They've put a huge weight upon you, and it's called legalism. We put this religious duty, this religious obligation that, listen, you received Christ free. You didn't do anything to earn it, but yet you got these other people telling you, no, 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 no. Now you got to do a few things to keep your salvation or to continue to be in right standing with God. And so to which you're probably wondering, what in the world did they come along and teach? You ready for this? Now, this may shock some of you. In fact, it may be a little bit embarrassing to some of you, but these Jewish Christians came along and they tried to throw their Jewish custom upon the Gentiles, those who weren't Jewish, right? And they said, hey, in order for you to be in this Christian club, Gentiles, glad you love Jesus, welcome, all that good stuff. But now what you need to do, all the males in the group, every single one of you need to line up, have a surgery called circumcision. And I didn't think I'd get a lot of amens there. That's a little different, right? Right? <laughs> In fact, if you want to read more about this crazy debate, you can look in Acts chapter 15, and you will actually see that the leaders and the pastors of the churches at that day were in a debate on whether or not they were going to include a surgery called circumcision in the membership class. Aren't you glad you didn't have to deal with that? Because I'll just tell you this, if I lived then, that would have been a female-only membership class. Do you know what I'm saying? If I'm a, if I'm a Gentile and a non-Jew, because no big deal for the Jews... Why? Because the Jewish men, they were all circumcised on the eighth day after they were born. But these Gentile men from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whole different story. I could imagine it going something like this. Hey, honey, I'll get the kids and I'll get the car. In fact, why don't you just go join for us? I'm out of here. I ain't signing up for surgery just to belong to the church. You know what I'm saying? So this is crazy talk. This is insane. And Paul's coming along. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm perplexed, I'm shocked, I'm astonished. Then all of a sudden you're starting to try to implement rules and regulations to keep a right standing with God. And so he says this in the rest of the verse. He says, guys, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion between this grace-based relationship with Christ that I taught versus this works-based religion that leads to death. They're trying to pervert the true gospel, the one that is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here's the key question that I hope to answer today. And that is the key question is, how am I going to approach God? In other words, how am I going to become godly? Or how am I, you and me included in this room, how are we going to come into right standing with God? This is the question. Because you have two choices. You can either approach God out of this dead religion, this religion-based, man-made, this works, trying to earn righteousness. Or you can try to choose just the, the grace one, which is you don't have to do anything but to simply receive it. It's a free gift of God, and that is a grace 
faith-based relational connection with God. And some of you are like, well, Rhett, why is this even important to teach? Because I need you to understand that one of them leads to life and one of them leads to death. And my hope today is that you will choose the one that leads to life. My hope today is that you choose the grace-based, the one that is all about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And this is so foundational, whether or not you've been serving the Lord for 20 years or whether you just came to Christ this past Easter. You will find this uh, this as the lifeblood or the DNA of our church, and it's foundational between the beginning of Scripture from Genesis all the way through Revelation. So what I want to do today is in order to help lay this foundation, I really want to bring us back to the very first book of the Bible. I want to go back to the first book and look at the first choice that was given by God to mankind. Let's look at this, Genesis chapter 2. Verse 8 through 9. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden, God gave two choices. Now time out right here for a second. Some say in this moment, this is where Adam and Eve had the choice to walk away from God to sin. But my friends, that is absolutely not the truth. Now, the choice that they were given before them, one of them led to sin, but the choice that laid before them wasn't to sin. Look at this. Look at the two choices. One was the tree of life. And then don't miss this. What's the second choice? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, there were two choices laid before Adam and Eve on how they could approach God. Am I going to approach God out of the tree of life, which brings fulfillment? Or am I going to approach God out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Am I going to approach God out of this heartfelt relationship? Or am I going to approach God through this head knowledge of good and evil? What's my approach going to be? And watch what God says in this next verse. Genesis 2, 16 through 17. The Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Look at what he says. For when you eat of it... In other words, when you choose to live in this relation or or, or this knowledge-based worldview, religion, what's going to happen is you will certainly die. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your emotions. It'll destroy your finances. It'll destroy your home. It'll destroy every relationship. It'll destroy your life. In fact, it will even destroy your relationship with God. And I just need you to understand today that God never intended for you to approach him out of religion. God always intended for you to approach him through a relationship, through this tree of life. But there's one who doesn't, and so therefore enter into the scene the devil, a.k.a. Lucifer or Satan. Look at this, Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, referring to the devil. And he said to the woman, did God really say, I mean, did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And by the way, I just need you to understand something. The devil will always try to get you to question the truth of God's word. He's not up to any new tricks. This is the same trick he tries to play on all of us today. And so the woman said to the serpent, look at this, we may eat fruit from any trees in the garden, but God did say, you know, you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, referring to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In fact, you must not touch it or you will die. Now, I want you to watch what the devil says next. He says, no, 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 man, no, no. Listen, Eve, that's not true. No, no, God's got it wrong. In fact, look at this. You will not certainly die? No, 
No, no, no. The serpent said to the woman, no, no, no. The truth is, this is what Satan says. No, no, no. The truth is God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you, you'll be like God. Now, I want you to notice something. The devil did not appeal to Eve's uh, 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 desire to sin. No, the devil appealed to Eve's desire to be godly. The devil appealed to Eve's desire to be like God, knowing, look at this, good and evil. And the devil always say, hey, hey, if you'll come my way, if you'll buy into my worldview and this religious view, you can control your own godliness. This is what the devil tried to do. So what does she do? Well, we know she bought into it and Adam bought into it. Look at this. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, what did she do? She took some and she ate it. But she also, look at this, gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then watch what happens in the next verse. Watch what happens when you make the wrong choice. Look at this. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. Now time out for a second. Up until this point, Adam and Eve had no idea that they were naked. In fact, we know this because of what they're saying here and what the scripture says. But even further down the line, a couple of verses later, you'll see where God says, hey, wait a minute, who told you that you were naked? Like you weren't even supposed to know that. And the purpose of this is I want you to understand that when you and I make a wrong choice, there is always going to be something that's produced on the inside of us, this loss of innocence. And then we'll be experiencing guilt and shame whenever we make the wrong choice. And so look at what they did. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And so today what I want to help us see is I want to help us see the differences between the two choices you and I have. This tree of life that we can choose to live from out of a relationship with God or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which we'll call religion. And here's what I want you to do if you're taking notes, write this down, is that one of them focuses on what you do. One of them focuses on what you do. In other words, it's all about what you can do to please God. Instead, in other words, now you're reading the Bible not because you love it, but you're reading the Bible because you feel like that's what you've got to do in order to, to earn brownie points with God. And so one verse of scripture isn't enough during the day because one verse of scripture, it's just kind of whetting your appetite. Now you got to read two, three, four, five. Nothing wrong with that, but now you're competing with yourself and you're going, no, you know, one chapter's not good. Now I need to read the Bible like in 30 days, right? And if I'm not, then I'm feeling like I'm not doing this right. I'm not, I'm not pleasing God. I'm not making him happy. And I got to do all this stuff to earn the fact that God will love me. And I don't know if you've ever met the kind of person that's like, you know what, I, I wake up at 4.30 every morning and I light a candle before the Lord and have my coffee and my Bible open and we're reading scripture and I pray for an hour and then I study for an hour. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. And in fact, if you're not reading the Bible at 4.30 in the morning and not at least spending an hour before God and reading at least three chapters, then my friends, you're doing it wrong and you're going to hell. Have you ever met that person? Isn't that exhausting? That is works-based religion, and it will suck the life out of you. Our focus shouldn't be on what you can do. My friends, look at this. Our focus should be on what Jesus Christ has done. When you read the Bible, 
We're not reading the Bible so we can earn brownie points with God. No, no, no. Our focus should be when we're reading the Bible should be simply to get close to Jesus Christ. When we pray, it shouldn't be all about, well, how long did you pray? I prayed five minutes. Oh, oh, you prayed five? I prayed 10. No, the goal of praying, the purpose of praying and the purpose of reading, reading God's word is to get close to God, not to try to earn righteousness. And this is why John 5, 39 through 40, Jesus himself said this, guys. Hey, guys, you study the scriptures because you think by how much you read and how much you know you're going to earn eternal life. What? Like you're missing the whole point, Jesus says. He goes on to say this. These are the scriptures, the word of God that testify about me. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, guys, the goal of reading scripture isn't to earn righteousness, The goal of reading scripture is to get close to me. This is what Jesus himself is saying. But yet, you refuse to come to me to have, very important word that's highlighted there at the very end of the sentence, you refuse to come to me to what? To have life. So basically what Jesus is saying, guys, if you continue in this process of works-based religion, of trying just to be nice, trying to be kind, trying just to pray in your own strength, trying to give in your own strength, trying to get brownie points with God, my friends, you will not experience life. Because life does not come from religion. Life comes from relationship. Trying to show you the differences between the choice of the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The choice between relationship with God and the choice between a religious approach to God. Here's another one. One focuses on trying to get God's approval. One tries to focus on getting God's approval. Why is that? Because for some reason we were all born inherently thinking that God is mad at us. I don't know about you, but where I grew up. I thought God was mad at me. In fact, every picture I ever saw on the back of a track was like this big white face coming from a throne and like lightning bolts shooting everywhere. I'm like, holy moly. I thought God was like Thor from the Avengers, a lightning bolt in one hand, a sledgehammer in the other. That's exactly what I thought it was like based on what was portrayed to me from other Christians in the culture that I grew up in. I want to ask you a question. Have any of you ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Can I see a show of hands all across the room? Yeah, I don't care what you say. That is the most creepiest, freakiest, weird movie, horror movie for kids that you could ever watch on the face of the planet. Don't even get me started about the flying monkeys, man. I am still trying to get deliverance from the flying monkeys. Am I the only one? And then what gives? We represent the lollipop guild, the lollipop. I'm like, what, what, what is that? That's messed up. Like, they look mad at the world. Like, this is a messed up movie. If you've never seen it, don't go watch it, okay? Why am I talking about the Wizard of Oz in church today? Here's why. Because many of us approach God as if he was Oz in the Wizard of Oz. Remember the scene? Smoke. Like lightning bolts or whatever they had back then to try to portray like lightning. And, and what did Oz say? When, when Dorothy approached Oz, right? He was scared out of her mind. And he's like trembling. And then all of a sudden, Oz is like, what do you want from me? He's just like, I just want to go to Kansas, right? Why anybody would want to go to Kansas, I have no idea. If you're from Kansas, God bless you. I love you. I'm praying for you. If you're watching us online, I've driven through Kansas. It took a whole day. It felt like it because there's nothing there. (laughs) So I don't know. But Dorothy wanted to go to Kansas. And many of us. We approach God the way Dorothy did. And what did Oz say? 
Oh, if you want me to do something for you, go get me the Wicked Witch of the West broomstick. Go prove yourself. Go prove your worth. And if maybe if I'm having a good day, I might just let you go to Kansas. And so many of us, we have this view of God like Oz. And like we feel like God would stand before him. And God's like, what do you want from me, Rhett? I just want to go to heaven, Lord. Please don't send me to hell. Can I just go to heaven, right? Well, go prove yourself. Go read 10 scriptures. Go pray for an hour. Go to church every time the doors are open. Do this, do that. Give more, serve more. Do, do, do. This was my approach. And many of us were trying to approach God like this, trying to seek his approval. And my friends, I just want to tell you, you don't need to focus on trying to get God's approval. You need to focus on simply receiving God's love. You need to understand something, that God already loves you. God loves you so much. Like, in fact, God knows what you did last night. He knows the thoughts that you thought. He knows the clicks that you made. And guess what? He still loves you. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying. God doesn't love the sin, but he loves you. Why? Because when he sees you, he sees himself. Wow, how is that? Because he created you in his image. He breathed his own breath of life in you and gave you life. And when he sees you, he sees value. He sees his son. He sees his daughter. In fact, if, you, if God had a refrigerator, my friends, your picture would be on that fridge. And I need you to understand this because when you understand this, it changes the way you relate to God. In fact, I'll say it this way. Your view of God will determine the type of relationship you have with God. In fact, the way you see God will determine how you relate to God. God is not like Oz. God is loving. He's kind. He's wonderful. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. And, and so I need you to understand. Here's an example of how this kind of plays out. Some of you... Maybe you did mess up last night, or maybe you messed up this week. Maybe you yelled at your kids or your wife or whatever that looks like, whatever it is. You know what it is. And you came to church this morning, kicking and screaming, but you came. I'm glad you're here, by the way. But you found yourself in worship in the moments where we had a minute ago, and you felt like God was drawing you into worship, but yet you're like, I can't clap my hands. I, I, I can't lift my voice. I can't, I can't participate in this. Why? Why do you feel that way? Why do you talk yourself out of that? Because you have bought into the belief that you think God is disappointed in you and you think God is mad at you and you think that he's not deserving of the praise. And so although God is simply trying to draw you in, you are pulling yourself away. And I need you to understand that God loves you. In fact, I love this verse out of Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still doing stupid, while we were still clicking on this or clicking on that, while we were still cussing out this person or cussing out that person, while we were still sinners, what did Jesus do? He died for us. God, it's amazing to me that God chose to love you and I, despite the fact that we may never love him back. My friends, you need to understand something today, that there is nothing you can do to earn God's approval you are already approved by God. How? Well, how does that work? 
You're approved by God the moment you surrender your life and you receive the free gift of eternal life that comes not by earning it, not by doing anything, but by receiving what has already been done for you through Jesus Christ, professing your faith in Christ as God's one and only son who came to do what? To pay the penalty, my friend, that you and I were supposed to pay. This is how we're made right with God. This is the true gospel. This is the tree of life. And I just need you to understand this truth, my friends. God loves you and God wants to be close to you today. And this is why no matter my past, no matter my present, I'm going to choose to love God and I'm going to choose to worship God because 1 John 4.19 tells me this. We love, Rhett loves, I love, you love God. Why? Because he first loved me. My worship is not based on my worth. My worship is based on his worth. I praise God not based on my perfection. I praise God based on his perfection. I worship and I praise God because God first loved me. This is why we praise him. This is why we worship. I don't have to get God's approval. I just happen to just simply receive his love. This is good preaching. Thank you, Pastor. This is wonderful. It's God's word. Let me show you one more difference. One of them focuses on external duty. Emphasis on the word duty. And I almost spelt duty a different way. Because that's exactly what it is. Is duty. Is dead religion. Is what it is. But we're having a church service and there's kids in the room so I can't do that, right? This may be the only church service if your kids are in here like, oh, the pastor said something about duty. What was that all about? <laughs> One focus is on this. In other words, you better pray more. You better read more. You better give more. You better do more. In fact, you got to do this. It's a got to instead of a get to. And I'm just saying, as for me and my house, I ain't got to do nothing. You know what? I get to do it. Why? I get to love. I get to serve. I get to worship. I get to be the pastor of the greatest church on the planet. I get to be a part of your life and what God is doing here. I get to do it. Why? Because God first loved me. And so I'm not focusing on external duty. No, I'm focusing on, you ready for this, on internal desire. In other words, internal delight. I am focusing on God's love and his relationship with me. Because I just need you to understand when everything you do comes out of a love relationship, when everything that you do comes from this, it's the joy of your life to get to love God. It's the joy of your life to get to, to serve people. It's the joy of your life to get to pray. It's the joy of your life to get to come to church. It's the joy of your life to get to serve on the dream team. It is the joy of your life. Why? Because this is what love is. This is what love is. Let me show it to you in 1 John 5.3. This is love. This is love for God. What? To keep his commands. And by the way, his commands are not burdensome. I love that. And some of you are going, no, yes, they are burdensome. I'm sorry, pastor. I disagree with that statement. Everything about Christianity, everything about the Bible is the hardest thing for me to do. In fact, it's impossible. And I would say, you know what? Guess what? You're absolutely right. It's impossible. It is the most difficult thing that you will ever try to live out if you are not in love. But my friends, if you are in love with God through his son, Jesus Christ, 
and you put down trying to earn righteousness and you simply receive the gift of all that he's done for you, my friends, it will be the joy and delight of your soul. It will bring so much fulfillment. Why? Because love, love changes everything. Love changes everything. Look at 1 John 5.12. Guys, whoever has the Son. In other words, whoever has a love relationship with God. Everybody say these two words out loud at the end of that sentence. Whoever has the Son has life. Has life. But yet, whoever isn't walking in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, well, you don't have life. In fact, Christianity is going to be really hard for you. The Bible is going to be difficult. And so my hope, my friends, is today you experience life that comes from a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. My hope today, my friends, is that you will choose a grace-based approach to receiving a free gift from God. And my hope is that you not only choose it today, but you choose it every day to live in this freedom every day. So here's the question. How do I experience this life? How do I live out of this tree of life versus the tree of knowledge of good and evil? How do I approach God relationally as opposed to religion? Three things really quick. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, guys, you just got to fall in love with Jesus, number one. You got to fall in love with Jesus. And now some of you are going red. <laughs> Woo, it's, if it were only that easy. Pastor Ed, you make this sound so easy. Come on, man, talk to me. Let, let's get real. How do you do that? Well, for me, I can only speak from my experience. For me, two things. Number one, I remember who God is. How do I fall in love with Jesus more and more every day? I simply have to remind myself of who God is. So who is he? He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He created me in his image. He created you in his image. He breathed life into me. He gave me purpose. And he put me on this planet. And more than that, as I read scripture... Who is God? Not only is he a creator of the heavens and the earth, but he's good, he's kind, he's loving, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's full of mercy, he's slow to anger, he's rich in love, he's holy, he's wonderful, he's marvelous, he is a good, good father. How do you know that, Rep? Because this word tells us that, and not only does it tell us that, but I'm experiencing that. In fact, it's the kindness of God that, leads, that led me and that will lead you to want to have a relationship with God. He's a wonderful father. That's who he is. Okay, well, what has he done? You ready for this? He gave us his son, Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? Jesus died on a cross, paid a horrible debt to pay for our sins. What is sin? Sin is simply a religious word that says it's something that separates you from God. God never intended for there to be separation between you and him. He always intended an intimate relationship. And so how does, how, how does the sin, how, how, does, how do we get rid of the sin? Well, it has to be paid for. How? It has to be a blood sacrifice. I didn't write it. This is God's word. It has to be a covenant. Covenant means to cut. There has to be a cutting of blood. And so the cutting of blood came from Jesus Christ. He was the perfect, spotless, what the Bible teaches us, Lamb of God. He was the ultimate sacrifice for mankind to, have to, to stop trying to earn righteousness by doing good works, but to simply receive a gift. God is so good, he didn't require you and I to do anything. He just gave us something. That's how much he loves us, my friends. God loves us this much. And I'm just saying, last time I checked... Last time I looked to see if there's anybody in line to pay for my sins, there wasn't nobody there. I don't know about you, 
But I checked yesterday and I checked today. Nobody else lined up to pay for my sin, to pay a penalty that I deserved, which was death. Nobody lined up to pay for it. But God himself said, I will pay it for you. I will give you my son. His name is Jesus. And you don't have to do anything, Red. You just have to simply receive him. And that's what I did. And I'm telling you, it's because of this truth. It's because of this truth that I can't go a day without serving him and a day without loving him. It's because of this truth that I cannot give enough of my life back to you, God. I love you. I'm indebted to him. And so I just want to encourage you to love God. To love God. You don't need religion. You just need a relationship. You need love. And I'll just tell you this. Once you experience love, Christianity is a delight. It's a delight. Let me show you this beautiful verse, John 14, 15. Jesus said, hey, guys, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And let me time out for a second. For years, when I read this verse, can I tell you how I read it? For years, I read it. Red, if you love me, you better get right or you're going to get left. You better line up. You better obey me. In fact, it don't even tell me you love me unless you're going to line up and do what I'm telling you to do. That's how I read this verse. But can I tell you, that is the furthest thing from the truth. You know what this verse and how it says and how it should be read? Is this, Jesus saying, guys, if you love me, like if you'll do a relationship with me, and you'll experience my goodness, you'll experience my kindness, you'll experience my grace and the compassion that I have for you. Man, if we'll do life together, if you'll love me this way, you'll obey make a difference with your life like the byproduct of hanging out with me is that you're just gonna you're just gonna do what I do you're gonna make a difference with your life one of the best ways that I could try to describe this scripture and until I find another one I'll, I'm gonna use this one and that is I love my wife she's sitting on the front row most beautiful woman on the planet physically and spiritually so thankful. I love you, babe. Been married 15 years this week, everybody, on the 29th. Yes. <laughs> I love my wife. Why do I love her? Well, because all the wonderful things that I just shared. But, you know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that tells all of us that you shall not commit adultery. Don't look lustfully. Don't commit adultery in your heart. And can I tell you that just because there's a verse in the Bible that tells me not to do something... <laughs> Like, just because it's there, that's not why I'm faithful to my wife. Why am I faithful to my wife? I'm faithful not because of the verse. I'm faithful because we have a loving, intimate, personal, wonderful, not perfect, but a great relationship. That's why I'm faithful. And there's no difference when it comes to serving God. We're faithful to God, not because we're perfect. We're faithful to God because we're in love. We're faithful to obey. We're faithful to make a difference. We're faithful to give, to serve, to do whatever it is that God's asking us to do to make a difference with our life. Why? Because we're in love. We're in love. So here's the question I have for you regarding this verse. What side of the comma are you on? Are you on the love side of the comma? Or are you on the obey side of the comma? Because you're on one side or the other. And I just need you to understand that God is not looking for behavior modification, my friends. God is simply looking for a heart transformation. 
And heart transformation does not come from obedience. Heart transformation comes from love. That's some of the best parenting advice you could ever walk away from. Many of us as parents, we're trying to just behave, 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 teach behavior, behavior, behavior. And it's like, now, do we want the behavior? Yes, but not just out of obedience because we're asking for it. No. We want the behavior. Why? Because there's a love relationship. Our sons or daughters know how much we love them. And when we pour into them, invest into them as they grow up, we don't want them just to have modified behavior because what will happen is as they grow up and leave our house, they're going to forget that modified behavior and they're going to do what they want to do. But if they grow up in that loving household and it's heart transformation, well, when they grow up and they leave the house, it's going to be a heart transformation. And they'll go on to make a difference in the world. Why? Because of obedience? No, but because of love. Because of love. So how do we live in this tree of life? Fall in love with Jesus. Number two, you ready for this? Don't allow condemnation. Don't allow condemnation. Guys, the truth is when you leave here today, in fact, it may already be happening. When you leave here today, the devil is going to be on one shoulder. And what's he going to do? He's going to try to condemn you. He's going to say, hey, you are a pathetic person. I can't even believe you showed up in that church today. Are you kidding me? You know what you did last night. You know how you yelled at your wife on the way to church this morning and how you almost hit your kid because you're just so frustrated at what's happening at work. Are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? And he will lay condemnation on you over and over and over. And I'm telling you, that is a lie from the pit of hell that I come against by the power and the blood and the authority of Jesus. You are not condemned. My friends, you are a child of God a son or daughter of the living God approved by God you cannot stand there is now no condemnation through Jesus Christ there's no condemnation you can tell the devil to shut up Bible says Romans 8 1 through 2 therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Why? Because through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives, there's that word again, he gives life. What has that life done? It set us free from the law of sin and death. It set us free from religion. It set us free from trying to approach God to earn credit and righteousness, to try to earn this thing. No, 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 no. It set us free from that death. And I'm just telling you, when the devil tries to come in and condemn you, you're just going to have to remember who God is. You're going to have to remember what God has done for you. But more than that, my friends, you have got to remember who you are. I'm a son of the living God. I'm not perfect, but I'm made whole. My life is forgiven by the power and the blood and the authority of Jesus Christ. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in me. And although I'm not perfect, I am forgiven past, present, and future. And I don't stand condemned before God. I stand accepted by God because I'm his son or I'm his daughter. You've got to remember who you are. Spirit of God within you sets you free. And can I just be honest, by the way, I wish this this were like a one and done. Like, I wish I could just say, hey, all you have to do is like, remember who God is once and remember what he's done for you once and just remember who you are once. Like, I wish that was it, but it doesn't happen that way. That's not life. Like every day, every day, you're gonna have to make this choice. Every day, you're gonna have to choose to live that way. That's why number three, if you're taking notes, write this down, is that I just need you to choose life every day. Choose this way of living. Choose this relationship with Christ, something you can't earn. Because if you're not careful, my friends, I'm telling you, 
I've lived 27 years serving the Lord, and it's so easy to take a free gift that God's given you and turn it into religious obligation, duty, and all of a sudden now you're like, why do I even do this? Like, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. Why? Because you have forgotten your first love. (laughs) Your first love is God and his son. You can't earn anything. Simply receive it. So we have to choose this way of living every day. We have to choose to live in freedom every day. And this is not only my hope, this is God's hope for you. Look at this scripture in Deuteronomy 30, 19. God's saying, guys, this is the day that I call heaven and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you. I've set before you what? Life. Tree of life. Relationship. Or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Works-based. Duty, religion. Blessings and curses. Now here's the choice that I hope you make. As a pastor, as a friend, this is a choice that I hope you make. But more than that, this is the choice that God has before you and I today. I hope is now choose life. Choose life. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We'll be here just another few moments. Some of you are here today, and if you're honest, you're like, man, I'm living out the wrong tree. I've been living out of religion, and I want to live in a relationship. In fact, some of you here today, if you're honest, you feel far from God. You feel shame, you feel guilt, you feel the condemnation. And honestly, for some of you, Christianity, it's just been work. It's been exhausting. It's like, I'm trying to do this in your own strength and you're failing and you're failing. It's because you're living out of the wrong tree. And today is the time to come home and to come into a real relationship with Jesus through life, through relationship, through receiving a gift. There's nothing you can do. It's already been done for you. So if you're here today and you wanna come into a relationship with God, I'm not gonna call you down front. I promise I will not embarrass you in any way, but would you be so bold all across the room just to raise your hand really high to let me know who I'm speaking to this morning. Come on, all across the room, God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Greatest decision of your life. Anybody else? Nobody's looking around. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. God bless you guys. You can put your hands down. Can I encourage you to say a prayer like this? You can say it under your breath. Just say, Jesus. I've received what you've done for me. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. I believe you died and rose again to pay for my sin. Today, I declare you my Lord. I declare you my Savior. I put my faith, I put my trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. Now pray this, say, Holy Spirit, welcome you into my life. Help me make a difference in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, we had some decisions for Jesus today. Hey, One Life Church, can we throw our hands together and celebrate with those who made a decision? Come on, let them know how much you love them.